welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 143 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host. Rod Giltaka, thanks for joining me again today on the show. Uh, it's going to be a long one, but it's going to be action-packed. It'll probably be one of the best uh, episodes we've had in a while because there's going to be a lot of clips and there's a lot going on for gun owners. So we will have an update on Bill C-21. So much has happened just in the last couple of weeks on that bill. Uh, we'll do the majority of it with uh, Wilson when she comes on, and then I've got some clips in the interim to show you. Uh, we also have a clip of Pam Damoff, again, just showing her utter disdain for people that aren't like her for hunters and for sports shooters or whatever. This time she's making a very loose connection between an elk hunter and their concerns and, you know, hopefully painting some guilt for what happened on the Danforth. But anyway, you'll see the clip and it's it's actually quite shocking. Um, also, Polly Sensitive, yeah, I got another clip for you from Polly, a series of clips from their press conference um, on the new amendments that the Liberals had introduced to Bill C-21. And basically, it's chock full of misinformation, disinformation, really. And uh, so we got a couple of comments on this. Um, and they're still going after the CCFR as usual. Uh, so it's going to be a really exciting episode. But before we get into it, I want to thank the businesses that sponsor the CCFR radio podcast that keep us all going. Bullseye North stocks a wide variety of guns, ammo, optics, knives, and accessories from all the big brands and offers free shipping nationwide on orders over $200. Some conditions apply. Sign up for their weekly newsletter to get zeroed in on their weekly deals and live inventory. Bullseye North is your sports shooting superstore. A huge thank you goes out to our great friends over at the Saskatchewan Rivers chapter of Safari Club International. They do a lot of great work over there, including supporting the CCFR and the CCFR radio podcast. Check out all their great work at saskriversci.com. That's saskriversci.com. CTOMS has been a provider of trauma care training to military and police in Canada for nearly two decades. Now this emergency medical training is being made available to a wider audience through CTOMS Academy online courses. This online training is valuable to anyone that pursues sporting or outdoor activities or finds value in being prepared for a crisis. Visit ctomsacademy.skillbuilder.co and use promo code CCFR30 for a 30% discount on all training. And thank you so much to our great friends over at Vortex Canada. They continue to support the CCFR podcast and the CCFR. Can't say enough about them. Check out all their great products at vortexcanada.net. That's vortexcanada.net. Vortex, the force of optics. All right, we are back. So I've got a couple of housekeeping items for you before we move on to these, uh, this whole series of clips and uh, and all kinds of craziness that I have in store for you. Um, there's going to be a bit, a bit of a schedule bump in the podcast. So you're, you're used to seeing it every two weeks. Um, the next episode will be two weeks from now as usual. So that'll be on June the 1st, but we'll be bumping the schedule by one week after that. So it'll be three weeks before you see the next one. So instead of being on June the 15th, it'll show up on June the 22nd. And that applies for our nationally broadcast television show on wild TV, CCFR radio on the air as well. Uh, so the reason for that is we've got the AGM and the AGM, while it's uh, it's going to be a really great party and a conference and and all the rest of that stuff, uh, there's also some administrative things that I have to do there. And uh, I also have another uh, speaking engagement uh, while I'm in uh, Ottawa and a press conference and a bunch of other things. So 
all that to say, by the time I get home to BC, it's too close to the deadline of when I have to have the shows ready and the podcast. So I'm going to bump it a week. Uh, like I said, that applies to the TV show as well. Then there'll be a little more bumping. Okay. So we're only going to do one episode in July and one episode in uh, August so that I can get a little bit of time off over the summer because it has been completely insane. And um, yeah, we're only people over here. Uh, you can only you can only keep going so long before you have a big meltdown. So um, so yeah, uh, look forward to that. I mean, if there's if the liberals pull some kind of weird thing where they ban all guns from everyone or something like that via OIC or some craziness, we'll come back and we'll do an emergency episode. Uh, not to worry, we will keep you informed. Uh, but I would also encourage other people try to take a little bit of time. This fight is very stressful. I've said this stuff before, right? So I apologize for repeating myself, but this, you know, none of this stuff is comfortable. It's very stressful. Um, there's a lot of conflict involved, a lot of other terrible things. Uh, try to take a little bit of time off, especially in the summer, this summer in particular, um, and just enjoy the great aspects of your life because no matter how crazy stuff gets, there's always a little bit of good in your life that you can focus on. So uh, that's what I'm going to try to do and get a little bit of rest at the same time. Uh, next thing, the annual general meeting, the CCFR AGM is going to be a wild party. Make sure that if you're interested in coming, um, get your tickets as soon as possible. Um, we need to know how many people are going to show up so that we can order dinner and all the rest of those things. And at the same time, we're also thinking of, and, and when Wilson sees this, she'll be surprised. We're also thinking of for local people in the Ottawa area or people maybe that just want to come for an overnighter. Uh, we're thinking of breaking out some of the uh, ticket prices in case people want to come to the Friday night party and have a good time and they got to head home because they got to do something or they just want to come for the dinner or whatever. Um, I'll, I'll let you know in the next podcast uh, whether or not we're successful in figuring out how to do that and breaking out some of these events and, and how we're going to administrate that whole thing. So, uh, yeah, get your tickets while you can. Next thing I want to mention is Field Officer of the Month this month. It is Jessica Caesar. Uh, thank you, Jessica, so much for all your work. I think Jessica was the first FO to do three shows in a year in three different provinces, I guess was the claim to fame that was sent to me by Chris Russell. Um, but uh, regardless, really appreciate our volunteers. Couldn't do any of these things without them, right? Like cause we're just a small group of people uh, that work for the CCFR. The rest is all done by volunteers. So uh, congratulations, Jessica. You will be getting a, I believe, a $100 CCFR <clears throat> online store gift certificate and also a year's free subscription to CATF, Canadian Access to Firearms. Thanks to uh, Donovan Dewis for providing that. Donovan, great guy and a great paper. All right. Now, we're going to hit up some clips. Man, there is so much material for clips in the last couple of days. I don't even know how we're going to cover them all, but I'm going to try. Okay, so this first clip has to do with the Canadian Firearm, um, Canadian CFAC, the Canadian Firearms Advisory Committee, okay? So you guys have heard us talk about CFAC before. Basically, this is a, an old uh, committee that was supposed to advise the Liberal government back when they had a majority government about what firearms, you know, firearm regulations, uh, how they should change or be improved or be repealed or whatever. And then they never get repealed, obviously, right? Um, or what guns need to be banned or what have you. Now, this was back in the day. This was actually, a, a that committee's been around for a while, but it kind of got a little bit more attention back in uh, Ralph Goodale's day back in starting in 2015 when the Liberals got their majority government and then carried through to into the Bill Blair days as well. So anyway, 
just as a just as a uh, a little catch up, if you if you're not aware of what the significance of the CFAC is, it's that we had these two liberal amendments that were roundly rejected by pretty much everybody but the liberals and a handful of you know anti-gun zealots, uh, which were uh, which were uh, amendments G4 and G46. You've heard us talk about them before. They got withdrawn because you guys stood up on mass which is what it takes to to actually move the needle in this uh, in this fight especially under a, a hostile government like the liberals aided by their friends the NDP and the bloc they're all three three peas in a pod um <clears throat> so um if you remember they withdrew them they took a couple of months off and then they came back with basically the same exactly the same definition center fire semi-automatic uh, rifles, and I believe in shotguns too, we'll have to see, but it, I think it, the verbiage says rifle that has a detachable magazine that, that was originally designed. Anyways, it doesn't matter. They're banning centerfire semi-autos with detachable magazines, minus a few exceptions. That's the idea. And then what they did is to try to hold back all of the, um, all of the anger. They said, oh, don't worry. It doesn't apply to any guns today. Um, only guns that are developed and marketed in the future. So you don't have to worry. You're not losing anything. And by the way, it's for public safety. This will this will stop the gun violence raging across Canada. But then Marco Mendicino added that he's, you know, reassembling the Canadian Firearms Advisory Committee and that he'll take his marching orders from this committee for which they're the ones that will decide who's on the committee that make up the... And they'll decide what the criteria is, which they haven't uh, tell, told us about yet. And... When the committee says ban a gun, they will automatically do it via OIC like they did in 2020, all right, in May 2020. So uh, basically, the the clips that I'm showing you are from yesterday, which would have been May 15th. So this was, no, it was from this morning, was it? Yeah, from this morning. <laughs> Time flies when you're not having much fun. Um, so these clips are like just from today. And basically, you have the conservatives saying, hey, you know, this is exactly, this is worse than what you said before, because now you're going to form this committee, and they're just going to tell you to ban guns, and you're going to automatically do it. So, you know, how is this better? Now nobody knows what you're, they're going to ban until they're actually banned. Uh, so that that concern, of course, is, is true. It's legitimate. It's not going over well, uh, just like their last amendments weren't go, going over well. So, of course, what do you do in a situation like that if you're the liberal government? You try to gaslight everybody. You try to spin it. It's like, what? You conspiracy theorist? We're not banning any of these guns. What? CFAC? Who are they? We don't never heard of no CFAC. Anyway, check out the clips and we'll talk about it in a second. Um, but as for this withdrawn G4 and G46 amendments, the government is introducing a backdoor mechanism so that they can achieve the very same ends, and the NDP supported on that. This Firearms Advisory Committee, uh, I fear, is not going to be an independent committee. I believe the government's already prejudged what kind of firearms they're going to ban, and they're just putting forward this front group so that they can do the dirty work for the government. Yeah. Thank you. And we do know that they are going to look at certain uh, firearms and make recommendations to the government, and then it's up to the government. Uh, through order in council to determine whether, in fact, they're going to ban these firearms. It's effectively a backdoor way of uh, banning firearms that the committee advises and that the government wants to. Well, other than the fact that uh, um, the minister has indicated he's going to do something, the rest of the question um, is based on hypotheticals uh, that the member is suggesting might or might not be the case or might happen. So I would be reluctant to comment on the hypothetical situation. That's why we will be reconstituting the Canadian Firearms Advisory Committee to provide expert, 
nonpartisan advice to the government on how we classify firearms. The advisory committee will be charged with making independent recommendations about the classification of existing guns in the market. It will include voices from rural and northern communities, indigenous peoples, industry leaders, law enforcement, and gun control advocates, and more. Guided by the committee's recommendation, we will increase the classification of firearms or ban them through an order in council just as we did in 2020. <laughs> Mark, Mark Garretson, you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to say anything about Mark Garretson because it's actually almost cruel, right? But anyway, he's doing, they put him up there and he's doing what's expected of him, which is to spin stuff, to gaslight people, to lie, do all these things, right? And, you know, and there he is, right? It's like, what, what do you mean? Uh, we're just talking about hypotheticals. What are your, these people aren't going to ban any guns. So then I stuck the clip for you of Marco Menachino flat out saying, you know what, I, got, I have the quote. I'm going to read it again for you. Guided by the committee's recommendations, we will increase, will, we will increase the, the classification of firearms or ban them through an order in council just as we did in May 2020. So he, Marco Mendicino flat out said, this is how it's going to work. They're going to tell us what to ban, and we will ban it using OIC, right? But again, because it was unpopular, because people are like, we're, we're on to you. We know what you're doing. You're, we're not stupid. Then they're like, oh, what do you mean? It's, uh, I'm not going to address hypotheticals. Anyway, what a clown show. Um, and you know what? Everyone involved knows exactly how this is going to work. And, and here's the thing. Even the people over at Poly saint souvien know how this works. Even they aren't fooled by committees because Polly, well, Natalie Provost, was on the CFAC back in the Ralph Goodale days. Like, they know what it's all about. And unfortunately, they were so sour after, those, uh, after the new amendments were revealed, after the old ones were um, withdrawn. They're so sour, they told the truth for a second. Anyway, check this clip out. And the only thing that they're offering us or offering Canadians who want to ban assault weapons in exchange is uh, is is setting up uh, the advisory committee again, and yeah, that that is a that is a cop out. We know we've been I've been on committees that I've resigned on uh, in my in my other job, uh, and Natalie has been on the advisory committee for uh, Bill Blair on firearms, and we know that these committees uh, can be micromanaged uh, to do exactly what the government wants them to do. All right, so there you have Pauli Saint-Souvien, who will probably have had or still will have a seat on that committee themselves and have a shot at banning all the guns that they wanted to. Heidi is upset, and the truth tumbles out of her mouth there. Probably not a great move for her, but tumbles out of her mouth. Yeah, these, these committees are a scam. They're designed to take accountability off of the back of the government to get what they wanted to do in the first place done and so that they can blame it on other people that aren't part of the government so that they have a better chance at re-election. You know, and I, I think she was upset that she didn't get amendments G4 and G46 and the ones that were um, that were there. And now it's a big end around. It's going to take them a lot more work to ban all the guns that they wanted to ban. And she's angry and the truth tumbles out of her mouth. And, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, there, for two, there's two reasons why um, I don't mislead people and I don't lie and I don't spin the truth and I don't tell half-truths and all the rest of that stuff. There's two reasons why I don't do that. Number one is it's morally wrong, and I believe that the truth will prevail eventually if the people that have the power, meaning you know the Canadian, uh, the Canadian public, 
start reading and go, oh, okay, it's oddly enough, it's the weird gun lobby, these NRA-inspired whatever gun lobby that are actually telling the truth because I read it myself. And the government and these anti-gun groups are lying to me and doctors lying to me, right? Like eventually people will start getting interested enough to look into it and they'll be like, oh, okay, well, they were telling the truth the whole time. Um, and the other reason is I just don't think I'm smart enough to keep track of all these, if I was somebody that was spinning lies and 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 talking points and all the rest of that stuff, I don't think I could keep track of it all. And I might find myself in a position in a press conference where your mind is running 100 miles an hour on many different tracks trying to be like, okay, here's what I want to say. I fact-checked myself. My tone is good. Um, I'm ready for a follow-up question or whatever, but then have to keep track of lies. I don't think I could do it. So anyway, I think that was sort of what was going on there. She gets mad. Hacks on the, tells the truth about these uh, these committees. And then she's probably on her way home. She's like, I don't know why I said that. I'm going to be on that committee or I was hoping to be. And I would I could have banned more guns and had them taken by force away from Canadians, you know, and hopefully I don't lose my chance, right? Anyway, kind of very weird. But speaking of misinformation, you know, um, I, again, wasn't really saying much to Polly uh, online. Um, as I said before, a lot of times we just, back right off just to see, are, are they going to stop doing what they're doing? Like just tweeting ridiculous, insane things, uh, or are they going to keep going? And, and they always keep going, unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, as I said before, it's going to be very difficult for this conversation ever to get, get back where, where it should be as like two people sitting across the table from each other that are both concerned about public safety. Like that conversation is just from that side of it, it's just not possible. Um, but anyway, so Polly tweets this thing about how we're spreading misinformation again. So ridiculous. And you know what? I'm like, man, didn't I just watch a press conference where you spread so much misinformation that it was almost, almost too much to watch? I'm like, hmm, yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, I put this clip together. Check this out, and we'll talk about it after. We are stunned today by what we perceive to be a total capitulation of the Trudeau government before the NDP's duplicitous stand on banning assault weapons. The weak commandments that are substituting G4 and G46 do not constitute a ban on assault weapons. The amendments that are being proposed, they're watered, it's a watered-down definition who have fought to ban military assault weapons in Canada. The reason why we bring up the NDP is because we, and I, and, and I uh, despite saying over and over that he supports a ban on assault weapon, uh, when asked what to do about the current assault weapons that are on the market, That have that were exempted or or escaped the criteria of the 2020 OICs. He never answered the question. Instead, he answered with a process, the process of pre-authorization, putting um, more um, responsibility on the manufacturer, which is so. He did not answer the question about current assault weapons. ensure that we actually have a comprehensive ban on assault weapons. We believed them, and we were lied to again. This is not a ban on assault weapons. Uh, at this stage, we have lost that battle, and Canada will not have a ban on assault weapons. 
Um, because um, it's true that there are some assault weapons that are used for hunting, like the SKS, which is, in fact, quite popular. Um, but it doesn't mean it's a hunting rifle. It means it's an assault weapon that's used for hunting. Isn't that something, right? So at least you know where the, the disinformation is coming from. And I mean, talk about red-handed. And, you know, I made that video. So when you're seeing those captions, like that's the stuff that's going through my mind in real time that I want to communicate, right? Which is like... Okay, she said that assault weapons were available. They're not. They haven't been available for 40 years on the Canadian market. And then she kept saying it. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't an accident. She's saying it intentionally. She's not even using the their own terminology of military assault style or assault style weapons. You know, it's like, no, these are assault weapons. And then she went as far as to say military assault weapons. And then she repeated it. And actually, I didn't get them all. I think this was around 20 times she said that. And I don't think, I'm not sure, but I don't think she said military style assault weapons once. So there's a reason why she's repeating it over and over and over again. And, and one of the reasons why this is so significant, other than the fact that the people that accuse you of spreading disinformation or misinformation are the ones that are usually spreading it, that held true in this, in this instance 100%. And it's funny because they say that all the time. They're always accusing everybody. They accuse the NDP of it. They accuse the liberals themselves of doing it. They accuse us of doing it. They accuse everybody of, of spreading misinformation. And they're the biggest purveyors of it. And you can just see it right there. It's like it's on video. You know, you can go right to CPAC and watch the whole interview for yourself. So, um, so anyway, the reason why that's really interesting is that uh, something they always bring up, um, certainly Heidi does too, and the docs too, do the same thing to defend themselves against completely reasonable opposition on their ridiculous ideas and their inability to, to work as a community, right, with, with stakeholders, people like us, right, is that 80% of Canadians want a ban on assault weapons. And you're like, well, wait a minute. You keep saying that assault weapons, assault weapons, assault weapons, military assault weapons, and future and the current ones that are available and all the rest of that stuff. And you're trying, you know, it's, they're trying to literally brainwash people into thinking that people have machine guns in Canada. And then, of course, as I've said before, when a pollster calls your house at, at dinner time, says, do you think, and you're not a gun owner, you don't know anything about this stuff. And it's like, should we ban assault weapons? You're like, military assault weapons? You're like, yeah. Oh, who wouldn't say yes to that, right? Because you think, like, why does anybody need machine guns? So I wouldn't blame anyone for saying that. I mean, these people don't know. And they keep hearing this actual disinformation. Now, remember, the difference between misinformation and disinformation is misinformation is, is unintentional. And disinformation is an intentional effort to mislead someone, to make people believe something's true when it's not. So the disinformation that, that polysensitive yes spreads is sometimes it's hard, it, just like if you look at this interview, it's hard to actually get your head around it. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. And again, all the while, them accusing everybody else of spreading disinformation. Like this is, this is who you're dealing with, just so you know. Um, but anyway, I just, I just thought that was just amazing, uh, amazing to watch. Anyway, the next clip, I got to get, but wait, that's not all. Um, I've got another clip, and now I, I tweeted this out on, on, uh, on Twitter, and these were clips only from today. So today is May the 16th. There was a debate for third reading in the House on Bill C-21, and this is just from today. Um, anyway, I'm just going to show you the clip, and then we'll talk about it after. By organizations like the CCFR. 
Mr. Speaker, the, the gun lobby is, is similar to the United States. The Canadian gun lobby and the is the gun lobby. And very consistent gun lobby events, they've been fun. Mr. Speaker, it's disgraceful to be using that NRA-style rhetoric. It that we remember something that the CCFR probably... Uh, that NRA-style uh, of politics has no... From the gun lobby. Uh, on the back of the gun lobby, I meant that the gun lobby has... But nonetheless, the gun, the Firearms Association of... of of uh, Canada showed up in my riding as they did many other ridings in the 21 election, started dropping off these pamphlets at doors that looked an awful lot like the pamphlets that we were already delivering, literally copying the Prime Minister's stock photo, putting the Liberal red on it, writing on it, meet your Liberal team with a QR code to get right to the website. And by the way, that website is still up right now. I just went to it. They have no problem encouraging their partners to go into ridings and drop off these pamphlets to try to trick Canadians into thinking that, oh, this is a genuine, genuine meet your liberal team flyer. I can go to this website and see who the candidates are that are running. No, this was a flyer that was printed, manufactured, links to a website, all under the control of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Isn't that something, right? That was just, all those clips were from, I didn't even get all the clips from today, right? I only have so much time to do it. And I think the most efficient way for me to uh, convey at least one of the thoughts that I had about uh, this video and about what all went down today and, and they're, uh, they're talking about living rent-free inside their heads, you know, this thing about the CCFR is uh, I'll just, I tweeted that video because I made it and I tweeted it and I'm just going to read you the tweet and that's probably the most efficient way to deal with this. So here it goes. Doing the work that we do isn't comfortable. We are lied about, slandered, and cry-bullied by some of the worst people to ever take a public paycheck, and I mean that 100%. I really do. The upside is we are a going concern for this hopelessly corrupt Liberal Party and their supporters, the Bloc Québécois and the NDP. These clips are all from today, as I mentioned, and they ain't seen nothing yet, and they haven't. You know, it's uh, one of the... One of the points I'd like to make is, and I, I said I wouldn't beat up on Mark Gerritsen. He, obviously, you just take one look at him, listen to him talk, how do you, how he process information. He's got challenges, and you know what? Good for him. You know, he's making big money. He's, you know, he's in charge of stuff. I think if Mark can do it, anyone can. It gives, you know, it shows it shows that there's hope for us all. So good, good for you, Mark. Um, and I think beating up on him is just politically incorrect because of of his challenges, right? But you know what the I will say one thing which is kind of funny a couple of things really is you know he's he's jumping up and down he's like and you know and you know we discovered basically right it's like and you know who's behind this pamphlet and the website's the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights right it's like well congratulations mark you broke this case wide open it's like written right here on the back of the freaking thing and if you go to the website our, our name is on it it's the law it was election advertising right so <laughs> And the, and the website's still up. It's like, yeah, no kidding, man. Wait, do you see the new one? If you didn't like this this brochure, it's going to be twice as as many pages because you guys have been in, up to so much, you know, uh, tomfoolery and skullduggery that it's going to be twice as thick and the website's going to be twice as big next time. And we're going to distribute it probably two or three times as many households across the country because we know how to do it now. It's going to be even worse next time. So... Anyway, um, did nobody tell him that he didn't crack this case wide open because I think he, I think he deserves a little bit of happiness and, and kind of boost his confidence a little bit. So 
anyway, I think one of the one of the one of the things that I thought was the most um, um, just the funniest, just inter- just interesting, I think, in a human zoo kind of way, was what he was outraged about the most is that we had dared to campaign against him and the liberals. Like, how dare you campaign against us when we are walking towards Parliament Hill, basically? Who are you to get in our way, right? And, you know, it's just so I thought that's how democracy works. I thought that's how election works, right? You tell tell Canadians what, you know, what you're going to do and what your great ideas are. You tell them why they shouldn't make other choices. You give them your opinion. And at the end of the day, people vote. But anyway, you just... Can you imagine somebody like like Mark Gerritsen being in charge of like, I don't know, military assets or the police? Like, can you imagine? You know, just like I've said about Bill Blair, throughout history, you look at some of the biggest villains in, in human history that have done terrible, terrible things. And you're like, well, how does a human being do that? It's like, those people are around. They're around today. That same, that same psychological pattern, that same psychological vulnerability in people, um, the, you know, uh, sadistic tendencies that people have, the narcissism and stuff like that. They people are still. They just don't have the opportunity for that to come out in them, right? But those kinds of people, they're they are everywhere. So anyway, just I just thought that was really interesting. Um, the other, the only other thing I want to mention is, is that um, it is difficult to do this job. It's difficult to be lied about and have something that you did turn into something it wasn't, and then that lie broadcast across all so all mainstream media and television and news and stuff like that. Like it's that's difficult stuff to to live with every day. But on the other hand, man, are we getting to them or what? You know, we can't change the government, as I said, and I said that earlier tonight. But man, are we making them fight for every inch? Man, we are making them pay. And that is our role right now. That is our role until there's an election and these people are are gone. They're out of the seat of power. That's our role and we are doing it. And we couldn't do it without all of you. We just couldn't do it. And while this is uncomfortable, while there's other things I could do <laughs> that'd be a lot less stressful, um, you know, for a living, um, you know, unlike Mark, I do have other options. Um, it is, and I've said it before, it is an absolute privilege to work on all your behalf because it enables me as an individual gun owner to, to swing so far above my weight, it's almost inconceivable. I could never be in this position without all of you. And so it's it's my pleasure to to be serving all of you and and smoking these people in the face and making them think, you know, when, when there's an election called, the, all this stuff that you saw today in that clip, that's all gonna be running around in these people's minds. So you know what, as gun owners, you're not powerless. As individual Canadians, you're not powerless because when we stand together, we actually... We swing a pretty big stick. So I just think that's pretty, I think that's pretty special. Anyway, all right, I've talked about that enough. Um, one last thing, uh, I spent a little bit of time on firearmrights.ca because what we like to do, as you know, we're the only group I think ever uh, in firearm advocacy, certainly, um, that keeps a running list of the things that we're doing on our website so that you can be like, well, what what are you doing with, with my donation? You know, I sent you 40 bucks. I sent you $10. I sent you $1,000. What are you doing with this? Like, you don't even have to ask me. I don't have to tell you because we keep a running list so that you just have to go to firearmrights.ca, click why join and start scrolling. And so I did a, a little bit of an update. Not everything is on there. We do a lot more actually than that is on those lists, on that list, but those are the major things that are on there. So if you want to kind of get reminded of what we've been doing, how hard we, we've been working for you and for ourselves as gun owners, just scroll down that list. Look at what we've done since the uh, May 2020 gun ban, right? Look at what we've done in the last year. So 
Anyway, that's me fulfilling my promise to you that we will continue to work hard and that we'll continue to, to you know, smash these people in the face every single opportunity that we can so that we're not just rolling over and letting them do whatever they want to us. Anyway, hopefully that makes sense. I'm just doing a bunch of rambling. All right, let's get, uh, let's bring this part to an end and get uh, Wilson on. All right, via Skype, we've got Tracy Wilson of the CCFR. Wilson! There it is. I never get tired of it. All right, we got to we got to get moving because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So the, probably the biggest news right now is the uh, closure motion and also the time allocation uh, that was um, basically directed at the uh, Public Safety Committee's study of Bill C twenty one. Why don't you just give us the rundown on what all that means and kind of where we are right now? So C twenty one is done at SECU. So the committee's been studying it. There's been all kinds of stuff going on. The Liberals forced time allocation, which limits the amount of time that MPs can debate and discuss the bill. And then they forced a closure motion, which means that time that's been allocated needs to be squished into a very short amount of time. So basically, we took 12 weeks of meetings, squished them into two and a half days. We are up every night until after midnight, and it's it's a done deal. So it's off back to the House of Commons now. All right. So interestingly enough... The, the the liberals and even the NDP were like, oh, you know, this is all because of the conservatives filibustering. Yeah. So why don't you give us, why don't you shed a little bit of light on what really went down there? Well, the use of time allocation and a closure motion is usually reserved for extreme circumstances where you've got a hostile party in there who's just going crazy, filibustering everything, and you're just not able to make any progress with the bill which is not at all what happened. Don't forget the Liberals tabled C-21 way back in June of last year. So almost a full year ago, uh, they took, they, they tabled the bill and then also tabled like 150 amendments to it, right? Um, they introduced amendments G-4 and G-46, which were very contentious. We spent two months fighting about that in committee, going back and forth. They withdrew the amendments, spent another two months studying the effects of withdrawing them, speaking to First Nations communities, all this stuff. Then we waited a six additional weeks for the minister to bother to show up to committee, which is what he was supposed to do. He finally showed up. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, those silly conservatives wasting all our time. We've got to not only do time allocation, but force a closure motion. <laughs> oh, it's crazy town because it's if, if anybody filibustered this bill, it's the liberals. Yeah, they're at fault. But, but as with politics, you know, what things that are demonstrably true, you, you know, they're they're misinformation. It's the opposite. Now, the conservatives <laughs> did have a lot to say, but there's there's a line somewhere and they could have been over. Like, to be completely honest, they had a lot to say about this bill because of the way it was handled by the liberals. So sure. I don't think there was any filibustering going on before the amendments started rolling in for a bill that is, you know, a certain certain amount of words, let's say. And then they're like, you know, it's it's increased tenfold because the liberals came with a hundred or some something oh, amendments yeah, to crazy. their own bill. If they were if they were operating in good faith, it's funny, right? Because it's they operate in bad faith and then point the finger at everybody else. If they were operating in good faith, all the stuff would have been in the bill in the first place. Yeah. And people like Why us wasn't it and, in there to begin with? and everyone else would have had a chance to speak to it, but we don't have that chance. Not only yeah. because they brought all this stuff in amendments, they didn't put it in the bill. So everybody was long gone. It was like, okay, well, let's just finish our clause by clause and move it on. But no, they wanted to, to triple the bill basically, um, mm -hmm. but burn up all this time in the interim. So yeah, I don't know. And then 
what really, uh, really made a mess of things too is because of time allocation, each party was only given five minutes to discuss each amendment, which is a very limited amount of time to discuss something that could have really big impacts on millions of Canadians. But once the time allocation ran out and we got to just the closure part, they basically did like speed dating, speed voting, like just rounds of voting on a numbered uh, amendment. So it'd be like, okay, and now we've got NDP amendment uh, 27, uh, yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, what is it? What, what's Some it about? Some of them were even read out. No, they're not even read out. Yeah. So then it was just, you know, you're just voting on who knows what. So, and and it, they can't produce those to the public. They can't make them public until they're tabled. But they never got to be properly tabled yeah. because of the um, forced closure motion. Yeah. So, it's not the just, way it's supposed to work. I don't know. Like, if that's how we should be writing laws in Canada that govern millions of people, I don't think so. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to work. So, no. Um, I don't know. I don't want to hear any complaints if the uh, if the Conservatives got a minority or a majority government. I don't want to hear a single complaint from the NDP or the Bloc or the Liberals about anything. Because yeah. I think even though what I think what you learn when you start dealing with all these different parliamentary processes is you learn that there's a workaround for everything. All the accountability, all accountability can be undermined somehow by some stupid rule somewhere where it's like, oh, well, we don't really have to do that. Well, we don't really have to let anybody speak to it. We can just ram it through. Like just, you yeah. know, and the, and the problem is, is that when you have one government lowering the bar on when to use closure or use, you know, time allocation, now, now everybody's going to have to do it because they don't have any choice. They have to, well, you know, they set an example, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they set a new precedent and. You know, anyway, whatever I, you know, I don't, I don't have a better suggestion for another system other than democracy, but the, the, the dark side of democracy is that it's, as they say, two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. It's, it's mob right. rule Yeah. when, when you can't have people from all sides operating and, and, and dealing in good faith with each other. Like, Hey, you know, if we have a violence problem, how do we solve that? You know, we got to come together. We want to respect all these people because they haven't done anything, but we also have to tackle this because <coughs> if we, if there's a way we can stop this or slow it down or mitigate it, then we should. And when you have groups like the liberals, the NDP and the Bloc operating in bad faith constantly, like they have been over the last seven and a half years, then that, that goes right out the window because everybody's now is like, oh, we have to fight and and work the rules and do everything to get you know our our agenda through so that people will keep us in power or whatever you know yeah. or or maybe they're you know they have commitments to other people outside the system who knows right but whatever this causing this behavior is it's just it's not it's not in the best interest of Canadians and I really believe that but anyway I agree all right um so the closure motion was one thing oh yeah the nail biter so there's <sighs> there's been a bit of a, an effort to try to save a few handgun sports from being destroyed, which is what they will be over time. And so why don't you tell us about that? This was insane. Like I watched this on my laptop in the backyard because we had some agreeable weather. And I thought if I got to stay up till 1230 at night, I'll sit out in the patio in the backyard and watch this. And I'm telling you, my neighbors are probably think I'm crazy because I was screaming. But uh, Dane Lloyd... Um, tabled an amendment from the conservatives that would have allowed for an exemption to the handgun freeze for IPSC. Um, I believe it was cowboy action, probably IDPA. There was, it was a, a little bit 
like it was broader. Um, so it included a variety of different handgun sports. Of course, that was voted down, but that was voted down because the NDP, Peter Julian, was presenting an amendment from Alistair McGregor. You may remember him. He was on SECU before uh, Julian. And this one was very narrow focused, but it was for an exemption to the handgun freeze just for IPSC. And this was really interesting because, um, you know, people were speaking to it different ways. And, you know, normally the NDP and liberals work together, but Pam Damoff was definitely not in favor of this. And you hear a little peep from the liberal bench and it's this liberal MP, uh, Cody Blaze. He's from Kings Hands, Nova Scotia, and he wants to speak to it. Well, he, the liberals didn't have any more time due to the time allocation. They were out of minutes. So Dane Lloyd from the conservatives is like, hey, I've got, I think, three minutes and 20 seconds left. I'm willing to donate my time to this liberal member. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, cheering and fist pumping in the backyard. Um, and But it required unanimous consent. Of course, Pam Damoff denied it. So she muzzled her own liberal member on her side, right? So there's a bunch of confusion going on. Dane's trying to give him minutes and everything. So they suspend for a couple minutes. They come back. I don't know what happened off camera, but they come back and Pam had agreed to allow Cody Blois to speak. I don't know. I'm probably butchering his last name, but... Um, so he spoke very eloquently in favor of IPSC. He explained that IPSC is a very organized sport. It's got connections to the ISF, the International Shooting Federation, which has connections to the International Olympic Committee. And it is sort of that elite pathway to becoming a very prestigious sports shooter um, on the world stage. And how do people ever get Olympic level if there's not a pathway for them? We don't you know, people aren't born Olympians, right? So he spoke really well to it. So I'm I'm on my feet. I'm hopping up and down like, oh, boy, oh, boy, right? Um, so anyway, a little bit of chatter went back and forth, and they called the vote, and it started on the liberal side. And all four out of five liberals voted against it, you know, to not allow an exemption. Cody Blois, the MP who spoke out again or, or in support of the exemption, abstained. It moved to the conservatives. They all voted in favor of it. The block voted against it. The NDP voted for it. It's their amendment. So here we are stuck in like a five-five tie. It's like it's like an overtime hockey game, right? I'm on my feet. I'm cheering. It's so exciting. Like we're just right on the verge, so close you could taste it. And of course, the tie-breaking vote goes to the chair, who is a liberal MP. So of course he votes along party lines, votes it down, but it was just I, I just stood there with my mouth hanging open because it was so close to being an exemption for IPSC. And, you know, personally, I believe the only exemption should be your RPAL. But at the same time, I was like, I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. Right. We we almost got that exemption. So it was very, very edge of the seat. And yeah, in the end, you know, a lot of people were praising Cody Blois for speaking out in support of IPSC. And I agree what he said was totally on point. Uh, but when it really counted, he abstained. And that vote would have been the vote that saved the future of IPSC in Canada. So he just, he, you know, he was brave to speak up, but he just didn't have the guts to do something about it. Yeah, it's really important to remember that um, no matter whether, because the only reason that, that, that these guys would try to save IPSC if they're NDP 
or if they're block or if they're liberals or whatever, it's because they don't want to lose their seat, right? So don't right. don't ever don't ever think that almost any of these people are doing things because it's the right thing to do. They're like, I may have to go get a job again and not make <laughs> two hundred grand a year, two hundred plus, flying back and across back and forth across the country in business class, walking the halls of power, getting a full staff, couple offices here, a couple offices there. Like this is, you know, it's going to affect my yeah. pension if I if I don't get another term, right? They want to stay in as long as they can, pad that pension. You know, it's just understand what they're doing and when it, when people like like um um Alistair McGregor vote, you know, or come up with amendments or whatever to try to save Ipsic or save Airsoft or whatever. They're not doing it because they think it's right. They're doing it knowing full well that that won't pass anyway. Mm -hmm. And they can, and that's a gesture to their community because at the end of the day, they all voted to ban handguns. They all voted for it. Yeah. By voting for the bill. Yeah. Yeah. They all did. Right. Yeah. Like at the end of the day and, and, and Cody Bloy or whatever, however you say his name. And I, I apologize. I don't know how to say his name. You know, at the end of the day, he abstained. He could have, yeah, he, he could have got that passed if he just stood up and voted. So anyway, it's, I imagine Peter Julian would have been like, "Uh oh, yeah, exactly." Now he's like, "Oh, like, I played a part in this. Oh, I would just want oh, to get the credit, and not actually do anything." What have I done? <laughs> yeah, just man, these people. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, it was it was really close though, and it was very exciting to watch. But yeah, yeah. well, it is what it is, man. All right, so if that yeah. did if that didn't get you upset enough, <laughs> I. We got one clip and just a little bit of conversation. Might be a little upsetting. Uh, this is the state of uh, of the conversation around gun control in Canada. Uh, but I promise we're gonna we're gonna end on a positive. Okay, so just you know, just just stick with us a little bit longer, and we'll uh, we'll stop with the uh, the stuff that uh, that makes everybody angry. Um, but basically, we have a we have a clip to show, and um, I guess you know maybe maybe you can do the setup. Okay, so. Uh, conservative MP Blaine Calkins, who is also the chair of the Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus, huge hunter, he had some concerns about one of the measures within uh, C-21 that was introduced by amendment. Now, this is a measure that was meant to prevent criminals from purchasing uh, mags for guns, right? So a mag is not a gun, so you didn't require a pal to buy it. Going forward, just like ammo, you'll need to show your pal in order to buy magazines, right? Now, the, he was talking about some difficulties that could be faced, the unintended consequences by people who are law-abiding and through no fault of their own, you know, maybe they've applied for their renewal, they're still waiting, they, you know, they can't go out and buy that magazine because they're waiting sometimes up to a year for their renewal, right? So he was expressing some of the concerns that he had. I mean, it was already voted on, so it is what it is. But I think he was trying to bring a level of understanding to the conversation that, look, you know, here we are talking about how these things could impact crime or 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 whatever. But at the same time, you also have to understand some of the un unintended consequences of it. And it could ruin something that somebody's been waiting their whole lifetime for, right? So anyways, that that's the setup. And Pam responded and let us know exactly how she feels about hunters or people with concerns that don't align with hers. Right. Yeah. All right. Here's a clip. So I just want to remind the conservative members and in particular, Mr. Calkins, that the vote on in, in 
requiring a license for a magazine was passed unanimously last night, including by Conservative members. And I would like Mr. Calkins to go and look Reese Fallon's family in the face and tell her that the elk hunt is more important than her life because the shooter on the Danforth did not require a license to go in magazine, buy a magazine before he went and tried to slaughter people on the Danforth. So I'm sorry that Mr. Calkin doesn't like this amendment, but you know what? Conservatives, vo conservatives voted. Holder waiting for a renewal no, no, of their no license. Cons I have well, I the mean, floor, Mr. Calkins. I have the floor. You're complaining about, about not being able to do something and waiting for 10 years. Reese Fallon will never see. She'll never be able to get married. She'll never be able to have children. And you're complaining about not killing an elk? I'm sorry, Mr. Calkins. I find that so offensive. Just, I think, for purposes of this conversation, let's just review, shall we, what the situation was on the Danforth. Because the, the Danforth... Um, Families for Safer Communities uh, tweeted like, oh, yeah, this this magazine thing affected us, too, being basically implying that you don't have to show a pal to get a magazine. And that was a contributing factor to what happened on the Danforth. OK, Faisal Hussein, who was the shooter there, had a lifelong record of of uh, mental illness and depression. Yes. And apparently, according to his family, he's like suffering his whole life and had made comments that he wanted to know what it was like to kill people and all that stuff. This guy's been sitting in the community for a long time, and everybody knew who he was. His brother, who, who he sourced that handgun through, gave him that handgun. That yeah. handgun was stolen in Saskatoon, apparently, where someone drove a vehicle through, and this, this is my understanding, drove a vehicle through the front of a gun store, and somehow through a criminal network, a gang network, his brother in Toronto got a hold of that handgun, and that's where mm -hmm. this Hussein guy got it. Okay, his brother was a known gang member. He had 51 or 53 kilograms of carfentanil, enough to kill every human in Canada in his apartment. He also had an AK-47, a rifle, <laughs> semi-automatic rifle that was banned in Canada for 30 years. So he got that somewhere. Sure didn't get it from a gun store. So Hussein could have used an AK-47 in that situation that was sourced from outside the country probably. So to say that because... You know, you're talking about, well, it might be a problem. Screw somebody's, you know, elk hunt up if they don't get their pal renewed on time, which was actually part of this conversation, and they can't buy a magazine, <laughs> right? You know, like that's just, that was what the conversation was about. It's like, oh, no, then then this is what caused the Danforth shooting, and you need to explain yourself to the parents. Like, so irrational. Yeah. And this whole and thing, I'm so offended. And it's like, well— yeah. I think like she's offended for her own reasons. Like we should be able to talk about these things like reasonable adults. And man, like I said, I know I'm going around a bit of a circle, but if you want to know where that breakdown is, is in that conversation where we can't just sit together all as human beings, as Canadians and have a conversation about these things and, and see each other's side of things that's coming from that side. So. Yeah, just nuts. it is, but it is nuts when you think about, Faisal and his brother and all their gang activity and the drugs and there, I think there was 33 ha uh, 33 illegal guns uh, found a, uh, during a search warrant um, at the brother's place. He was out on bail. He had a surety that signed for him, which is, you know, that it's sort of releasing him to your custody. That guy had 337 firearm related yeah. charges. Like these aren't 
these aren't elk hunters. These aren't ipsic shooters to sort of circle that square and try and bring it around like one has something to do with the other is so deeply offensive that and it's ridiculous. You also give these people, these horrible people, you give them a pass by doing that, by just simplifying it. Right. Yeah. And it's it's not right. Well, and you brought up the 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 um, assured is surety. So mm-hmm. that's a guy that you're if, if, if you get arrested, somebody will come and bail you out and say, I give my word that I'll carefully watch this person, to make sure they don't reoffend while they wait for court. So right. the Faisal's brother was on bail at the time for other firearm charges. And his surety was Mason Ansari, who, like you said, had something like 330, 330 firearm related charges. Yeah. And he was out on bail for those charges. He was out on bail and got the brother out on bail. <laughs> like, and, and I think the answer to all this is to ban legally owned handguns and uh, stop it six shooting. This is completely <laughs> insane. This is this is a conversation for insane people. Anyway, it is. just, you know, but yeah, that hunter. Oh, and just because you want to kill an animal, you're putting Canadians at risk. That's not putting Canadians at risk. Having a guy with 337 firearm-related charges out on bail, who's a known and gang member. And signing for the release of another guy? Yeah, who has with a, enough who, drugs who's to kill Canada? Who's for another guy sitting on 53, enough carfentanil to kill every Canadian in the country in a mass attack if he wanted to? Like, what? It's it's so nuts. I shouldn't even laugh. This is not a funny matter. It's this not. Is not. It's not a joking matter. This is serious. And this is why we have violence problems in Canada. Oh, but yeah. the absurdity of that conversation and how they she circled it around to a guy who might be miss out on an elk hunt is like yeah. what and the gun lobby's the problem yeah we're yeah. the problem apparently right this is of these course. these are not serious people that can be taken seriously in my opinion these are people like on the committee that need help outside yeah. of the help that the committee can provide it's just it's just crazy and we're never ever going to solve these problems until those kinds of people have no seat at the table because they just can't handle that level of responsibility. Responsible, mature, honest adults that really want the best for all Canadians, for, for all people, have to sit at yeah. a table and work this stuff out or nothing gets solved. Everybody's angry. You know, you have this divisive politics. You have people getting their stuff taken away. You have other people that are equating elk hunting with mass shootings. Like just, like all this has to stop. And that all that stuff is not coming from the quote unquote gun lobby. Anyway, all right. We gotta move on because man, you can just <laughs> you're getting riled up. Yeah, it's just it's just nuts. It's just like how do I you know. how do you it function is. as a reasonable person in an unreasonable environment like this, right? So anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about something positive to wind it up. Okay. For gosh sakes. <laughs> <laughs> so you were recently in British Columbia. At the yeah. uh, Mission Rod and Gun Club. Really great people, great club. I think it's the biggest club in Canada or in Western Canada or something. Yeah, like I think it might be technically the biggest club in Canada. Yeah, yeah it's huge. Yeah. So what, tell and us I about got, what uh, what that was. It was, uh, it was a, a ladies' day that you attended. Yeah, so this was their second annual ladies' range day. And I'm so honored that I keep getting invited out. We had a blast again. And I'm telling you, if... If there are clubs out there that are looking at like the premier way to host a ladies range day, look no further because Mission nailed it. Huge thank you to Wayne and the whole team over there. But they 
had, I think it was 91 women out. So a huge range day, beautiful catered meal. They had a prize table that was donated by all kinds of um, amazing businesses and community members. So basically everybody there got something. So everybody got to go home with prizes. Um, They got to try cowboy action and they have a really cool cowboy town there. So that was fun. They got to try pistol, rifle, shotgun, and archery. So it was just a a wonderful day. It was a little rainy, but it didn't matter. That didn't dampen the spirits because everybody just had a great time. The volunteers were amazing. Everybody was. And I'm just really proud to, to be partnering in this event with them each year. A lot of fun. Awesome. So it was, uh, I, I was there for a couple of hours myself and it yeah. was just a first class. Like I just looked at it and I couldn't get it out of my head that somehow we would have to capture this next time or exactly. run another one and capture it. Cause it was just, you know, it was just really, I, I looked around and I saw all these great people having such a great time together and everything that the club and, and all the volunteers went through to make this happen. And I just looked around mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is what they want to destroy. This is what they this is what they they want to stop. They they don't want this to ever happen again, and they'll do anything to stop it. And it's just, and I'm just like, man, if people, if everyday Canadians could just see this, I'd be like, this is what you're after, right? And yeah, I just, but I don't really know how to do that. I mean, we have tele, television shows, we've had documentaries, we've had everything. It's just, it's really hard to get that word out. But um, it was it was really inspiring, and and the people over at Mission uh, Rod and Gun Club, they did just a fantastic job, just a really great job. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right, we uh, we got to wrap it up there. We covered a lot of stuff. <laughs> Everybody, just you know, sit down, kick your feet up, have a drink, forget this ever happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for the update, yeah. and uh, I guess we'll see you in the next one. All right, we'll see you then. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. I know it was a long one. I I think it was. I had a lot of fun. Um, I thought it was quite entertaining. Hopefully, you thought it was entertaining as well. Um, So anyway, I think I've said more than enough in the monologue or the intro, uh, so I'm not going to talk about anything else uh, other than to say thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. It is truly an honor. Uh, Don't forget about the AGM. We may also have an opportunity for you to come to just individual um, events if you are in town, if you're local. Uh, So look forward to announcement uh, an announcement about that in the next podcast and the next television show. And uh, if you're interested in that, just save the dates. So if you're available on the Friday night or the Saturday night or the Sunday morning for the business meeting or whatever, just save the date and we're going to provide you with some kind of option so that you can come for a day uh, or an evening or what have you. Okay, so um, we want to make it easy for people that are local as well. Anyway, again, thank you for your support. If you want to become a member or donate to the CCFR, you can do that at firearmrights.ca. Take care and we'll see you in the next one. This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.